The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com slash ap slash blog. Hi, my name is Asha Puppetlal, and in the studio here with me today for the show Business as a Platform for Change is Maya Hari. She's the Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for Twitter, as well as its Managing Director. Hello, Maya. Welcome. Thank you, Asha. Lovely to be here. I'm going to ask you the one question which is probably in everybody's minds. Which one's that? Uh, how often do you get asked the question about the other big T? <laughs> there are so many words and names with T. <laughs> But I will say the, the conversation about Trump comes up with relation to Twitter all the time. And it's great social conversation. But I find people have come and asked me within 12 seconds <laughs> of starting a conversation with me. That's the record. The earliest question about Trump. And there have been very few people who've been able to hold that question in and wait for almost 30 to 45 minutes before asking me that. And that's been, that's been, you know, part of social conversation for us. Well, maybe, maybe you'll get less of it now. Well, there's lots of things to talk about, no? There's like amazing people around the world. There's many countries. Diversity in conversation is a good thing. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think there's so many more things to talk about. Let's, let's talk about you. What, what do you tweet about? What, what was your first tweet? Oh, you know, I had no idea what my first tweet was until... One of my team members in India actually printed it out and put it in a frame and gave it to me. <laughs> and it's somewhat embarrassing, but it was a tweet about a startup that I had founded. Right. And it said, hey, world, we're actually accepting USD, GBP, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it, was a, it was lovely fashion e-commerce, so decide. And I was like, really? That was my first tweet? Well, if it started I out with, hey, world, right? <laughs> so that tells you the extent of Twitter. That is true. What, what, are, the, what, are, the, what are your... Um, favorite Twitter accounts to follow? I mean, if anybody would know which of the good Twitter accounts would be you guys, or rather your, you yourself as the head of Asia Pack. Well, I, I love tech. I love fashion. And I absolutely adore architecture and interiors. So the accounts that I follow are sort of a very even mix around those. I'll say Elon Musk, amazing entertainment, day in and day out, like just amazingly incredible tweets. Isn't he a bit mad? <laughs> Yeah. He's quirky, for <laughs> sure. It makes for good tweets, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's also really smart. Like, the technology, the ambition behind, you know, SpaceX and things like that. Just right. just really inspiring. And then there might be the Burberry's and the Louis Vuitton's and their fashion shows and fashion weeks, which we don't talk about very much, but I, I definitely devour. And then there's an account called Mansion Go Global. Beautiful houses from around the world, interiors. Great break from you know, from serious work once in a while. What makes a good tweet in your, in your, from your framework? Uh, 
I think visuals, video always are enthralling. They capture audiences' attention really well. Uh, lots of video tweets going on at the moment. Um, and I think there's, it, there's, it's always nice to have either something profound, if it's a serious topic, or something fun, funny, mm. right? Um, but o- off late, what has really been uh, very interesting is people are very conversational on the platform. So they're asking questions of each other. And it's very fun to follow a whole thread mm. um, about something that you're interested in, uh, a topic that you're interested in, and see what all people sort of feel and express about themselves. What about the Asia-Pacific region? Which ones are really active on the platform and what sort of tweets do they like? And, and, and since we're in Singapore, what, what sort of tweets do people in Singapore like to do? Well, K-pop tops the charts <laughs> in Singapore. Always. I'm sorry that it's not. it may be an expected answer, but it's amazing. The youth come for K-pop and then stay for news and everything else that Twitter offers. Mm. Um, lots of good tweets there, lots of students, lots of fanfare for Apple for One Direction, so it's 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 those types of tweets that over the years have been really popular. Um, Philippines, super interesting, very entertainment oriented. So all the TV shows and sitcoms, especially if it's a romantic show, and you know the the characters of the show are generally on Twitter anyway. So massive conversation and trends that actually end up becoming regional or global trends around these conversations. Um, and in a whole host, but generally K-pop, gaming, entertainment, Asia loves all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've certainly seen those grow as well this year, right? Everybody's got a bit more time, so. That's true. I mean, now with COVID-19, right? I mean, the, the title of the show is Business as a Platform for Change. So how has uh, COVID-19 brought about change for Twitter? You know, it's been obviously a tough year for the world, right? But um, as you think about what it has done to audiences uh, around the world, they found themselves embracing technology very easily, very freely, very deeply. Uh, and so we've, we've actually seen two very interesting trends. We saw our audience grow significantly 29% year on year uh, globally and, uh, and internationally even more than that, uh, with Asia being a big part of that. Um, and tied to that, we actually saw uh, consumer behavior really deepen in gaming, in entertainment, and in shopping. And as you would imagine, because Twitter is sort of a mirror you hold up to what's happening in the world around, mm-hmm. people started to tweet a lot more about these things. And at first with the pandemic, they came for information that mm-hmm. they could trust. Like, hey, what's the what's the best hospital? What, what should I do? What are the health authorities saying? Mm-hmm. But after the initial panic around the pandemic sort of calmed down, we saw people, um, you know, spend more time talking about gaming and shopping and, uh, and other things. Uh, and, and very interesting trend also is that people found themselves having a lot of time, mm. either in lockdown or just, you know, and uh, hobbies became a really big part of what they were talking about. Gardening, um, finding DIY things to do, cooking and baking, was really interesting to see all of these really flower. everyone everyone suddenly you know a master cook at home now. absolutely I don't know how they do it but you know somehow they seem to have done yeah. it necessity is the mother of invention <laughs> and then if you have to you might as well flaunt it <laughs> what 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 uh, for a manager though you know uh, it would have been tough because you, yeah. your team's been spread out yeah and uh, the initial uh, idea for a lot of managers is just let, this is a this is a problem. Let's find a solution. But a lot of people have found that during this time, 
it's you have to go slowly, slowly let people get used to this whole new environment. Has it been your experience as well that you had had to go slowly? You know, yes, yes and no. And I'll I'll tell you where this was quite challenging for me personally as a leader. Um, our our team members uh, are quite accustomed to working from home and things like that in the past. So that wasn't necessarily the biggest challenge. But the emotional burden of sort of dealing with we're not going to see each other, you know, life is changing, my colleagues who are also my friends, you know, are now sort of a Zoom call away or a, or a virtual call away, that emotional uh, challenge was hard to get over. And as a leader, one of the things that I've always prided myself at doing is problem solving. So someone presents a challenge, I'm like, okay, I'm in, we're going to problem solve. And one of the big learnings in the pandemic was that sometimes people just want you to meet them in the emotional state that they're in. And before you get to problem solving. And that was a very, that was different as a leadership muscle to think about what was, so that was challenging. But what was really interesting and good was that, you know, about 18 months before COVID hit, at Twitter, we had already started thinking about how do we want to diversify the workforce? Mm. How do we enable people to work from wherever they want to work in, in, a, in, in the intent of sort of having them be the most creative, the most productive? to the extent that their jobs allowed it, right? right? And so we'd started to make these baby steps and we'd started to put processes together. How do we work asynchronously? How do we work across time zones? How do we have everybody feel included? And uh, COVID became a massive accelerant. Now Mm. it wasn't a pilot. Now now we weren't talking about testing. We were in it, we were doing it and we proved that we could do it and be productive and um, and, and learn how to deal with the challenges around it as well. So it was no choice, right? And the train had started yeah. and you had to get on it, yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting to have had a head start, yeah. to have thought about some of these challenges, not all. Um, and, and so, you know, we find ourselves in a good place. We were one of the earliest companies to decide to actually have our, uh, our teams work from home. We're not going to be the first ones that bring our teams back. So, so you know, we also had to clarify very clearly how much we put our people ahead of all other considerations, right? And that's right. been a guiding force for us. But tech has always been a bit in- interesting because they they work in silos and yet they come together because they need that interaction to take it to the next level. So how do you bring these two elements together? And especially with COVID right now, uh, you know, putting certain restrictions on this whole process. Yeah, it is. it is the... You know, the essence of culture and the essence of collaboration comes from bringing teams together, bringing different groups together and building community. And that is possibly the one big challenge that we've had to figure out, right? And I, I wouldn't say that we figured all of those out, but uh, some things that worked for us this year, we leaned very heavily on our business resource groups, um, much more so than even before as the catalyst to bring people together around an identity or around a community or around an interest. Uh, and it had to all be done virtually. So we had to get very creative with uh, with what worked virtually. Um, one of the things we do in our, in our organization around the world is something called Twitter for Good. So we dedicate a day every quarter to go and do something um, that is serving the community. And we found that we couldn't go and be together and it was often a big culture moment our teams turned all of this into a virtual auction, taking people's time and getting them to do different DIY things and auction it out. And 
you know, in a virtual auction. So there's one example, but there are many such where we've tried to bring fun and infuse it through the virtual medium. Tell me something about uh, what has Twitter done for good, a story that sticks in your mind? There's there's so many, right? Um, First and foremost, let's start with the platform itself, right? There are stories every day of how the platform, because of the public nature of the platform, connects people rapidly and um, and those are for for good and for challenging times and so one one recent story was there was a there was a 12 year old boy who was um, who was stuck on the street in Delhi during lockdown and um, and he was away from his parents who were in another town and couldn't get back to them and uh, and he had to you know, he had no resources S- some people took pity on him and tweeted out about him Within a few hours and days, um, word got out. The authorities uh, connected to the local administration in the town that his parents were at. Some other good Samaritans brought him food, kept him, kept him fed in a public park. And then you found that over time, they were able to collect enough funds to send him back to his hometown and reunite him with his parents. These, this story is amazing. Every time I hear a story like mm-hmm. that, it warms my heart. But it's not just one story a day that we hear. This is quite normal for us. And so you can imagine being an employee at Twitter. It feels tremendous to have a company with this kind of purpose and this kind of ability. Um, But then, you know, that's the platform. And then there's a ton of things that we do in terms of our own focus, in terms of time, in terms of resources, uh, in doing good for society. So we work with a lot of NGOs. We help train them. We stick to the core of our strengths, which is, the internet and knowing the platform and using the platform for good, and we we help support some of the NGOs in their causes and um, and and that's a regular thing for us. Our teams sub, you know use their time all the time to do things like that. Can I be a devil's advocate and just say sure. that you know uh, there are people who obviously you know use the platform for not so good things. How do you deal with that? You know, it's we hold up a mirror to society, so <laughs> it comes with all sides, right? And um, the last last few years, um, our industry has certainly gone through uh, so, sort of a reckoning to say that there have been some unintended consequences around how are all these digital platforms in our industry have evolved. Uh, in our world, we actually decided the last few years to make that, uh, you know, taking on healthy conversation on the platform head on to make sure that that was the singular priority of the company. And um, and it's 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 been amazing. I mean, COVID's a great example. We had a learning journey through that whole process. We use product, we use policy, we use um, human intervention in making sure that the healthiness of the conversation stays. Um, but it was also amazing that COVID, we were able to apply a lot of our learnings, and we knew that misinformation w- would have no place, should have no place on Twitter during a pandemic. And uh, very early in the day, we did strong partnerships with local health authorities, uh, adapted our search prompts so that people coming for authentic information were getting that straight away. So it's been a labor of love uh, and it's been a massive strategy and focus. And, you know, the job's never done in these types of things. Why Twitter? Why did you join Twitter? Ooh, um, I have a policy or I have a, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I always join companies that I... Uh, love the products of mm-hmm. that I use personally, uh, or I am, 
you know, incredibly passionate about because a corporate company has used it and things like that. And so um, Twitter was definitely one of those. And for me, or throughout my career, I've picked roles and companies that allow me to bring both the left side of my brain and the right side of my brain. Which one are you more of, left or right? No, it's super balanced, I think. I don't know. You'll have to ask my colleagues. <laughs> they may give you a different picture. But in my view, I think it's a very... That's a very rare individual. Very few uh, equal balance of left and right. So now I sound like I'm toot tooting my own horn. <laughs> I have to be careful. <laughs> but what? Twitter gave me that platform. So you were tweeting way before you joined Twitter. Yeah, when I was an entrepreneur and talking about the foreign currency that I accept now <laughs> on the e-commerce platform. Oh, what, tell me a bit about your background. How did you start? What, where did you study? How, what did you learn? And what were the, your influences growing up that made you want to do uh, these sort of things? Yeah, I, I, you know, I grew up in Mumbai, um, which is my hometown. And, uh, and I was one of two daughters in the family, uh, born to a family of engineers. Um, and my dad was a massive influence, and so was my mom. But they were very, very different people. Uh, I grew up sort of being, um, you know, passionate about math, chess, things like that. Those were my, those were things that I really enjoyed. Very uh, non-traditional, non-Indian girl. I know, I know, interest. I know. Totally <laughs> surprising. <laughs> not, su not suppressed in any way. That Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, wait for the rest of the story. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think I was very grateful for my dad wanting to raise girls very independently. And so he, be he believed in that and he supported that. But when it came to career choices, I had this duality between the left and right side of the brain. I mm. e either wanted to be a journalist um, or I wanted to be uh, oh, hey. an, en <laughs> an engineer. Mm. And I couldn't decide, right? Mm. And so, of course, the dad, dad said, why don't you be an engineer first? After four years, if you still feel passionate about the arts, go be a journalist. I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. Mm. Um, uh, and, uh, and you know, I became an engineer, but I fell in love with engineering and technology. I, it's been a love affair throughout my life. Um, mm. Things that are bleeding edge, things that are impactful, things that are very meritocratic um, appeal to me. So are you ever going to become a journalist? <laughs> I, I say never say never because, you know, life is now a portfolio life, right? Mm. And so if we're going to all live 100 years, there's a lot of time to reinvent ourselves. So I say never well, say never. Or Twitter is... Some say some form of journalism it is. anyway. It right? is, yeah, 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 it's true. Do you feel that you, you know, Twitter can go further in, you know, where, where is it going to go? You talked initially about COVID and how emotion can come in. Can technology bring emotion in? <laughs> I think I think technology has certainly embraced emotion, right? And and I'll I'll give you a, a real example. We were we were looking at all the tweets that were happening in Asia during this COVID year. And we look at all emojis that people use because emojis is a standard part of our life now. We can't live without them. And uh, we found that people were using and tweeting with emojis as a way to show sentiment, as many happy tweets and as many hopeful tweets and as many grateful tweets as we saw tweets that were sad or otherwise during the pandemic. And um, it's a great way you know, to look at sentiment and emotion from a very macro level. Mm. Um, and, and that's emotions. It's right there. You know, we, we see so much of video consumption on the platform. Some of it is, is um, you know, uh, published by publishers and, and professionally created content. But there's a lot that is also user created, creator created. And you see emotion, people wearing emotion on their sleeve. 
Uh, Does it scare you sometimes, the power that these uh, technological platforms have over people's lives and the way they interact? You know, I think I think there's always a role for responsible usage of technology, right? With with kids using growing up very differently today, natively using technology so much, um, versus versus you know my generation where I didn't have internet until you know I was well into my teens. So I, I think there is a case for responsible usage of technology, no doubt. Um, but I think that the positives outweigh the challenges if used responsibly significantly, right? That that story of that boy in Delhi, I mean, that's that power of that of what technology can do What's, is what incredible. Else, what else surprised you? Tell me, tell me another story. What else surprised you about uh, about technology? About the use of Twitter during COVID? Um, I you know we Jack Ma joined uh, Twitter during COVID. <laughs> you did? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting. Uh, uh, time and he actually his first tweet was talking about how he um, you know they that they have Alibaba shipped masks and supplies to the U.S. and as a, as a sign of friendship. Right. So it was really nice. You mm. know, it was one of those nice stories. There were so many Zoom stories on the platform. Uh, Aaron Levy, who's a who's a, the CEO of Silicon Valley CEO. He talked about uh, a feature that he wants Zoom to build, which is, hey, you know, if I were in the office, I'd drop into someone's meeting and just barge in and see what's going on, right, as a, as mm-hmm. a way to tap into sentiment. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to do that. I want to bomb Zoom rooms. And uh, so there's, there's a lot of interesting conversations, some real, some, you know, um, people talking about standing desks mm-hmm. and how they've all made makeshift standing desks. So there's a it's been a whole variety of <laughs> entertaining, serious, but also uh, hopeful tweets that's, that's this year. Right. You you speak about um, diversity and inclusion. I mean, that's always been like a like a buzzword you hear all the time. What exactly does diversity and inclusion mean to you? And what does it mean for Twitter? And how are you going to use it for change? Yeah, it's a good question. We're you know both Twitter and me personally we're deep believers in inclusion, right? And and to me, I actually define inclusion as the moment when you, when we all feel like we really belong, truly belong where we are, right? And we're able to actually contribute, we're able to interact, we're able to do that by bringing our whole self um, unashamedly to, to work, right? And um, that sounds utopian, uh, but at the same time, I feel like in the last few years, at least as a company, I can talk about, Twitter sort of having made strides there. And why we want to do that is is essentially as a platform, we believe that, you know, every every human in the world, every person in the world should have the ability to express themselves on Twitter. And if we want all of their voices to be heard and have a place on the platform, we also owe it to uh, to all of these users to build and accommodate platform and a business that allows for that, right? And that's a that's a, a core driver of how I think about diversity. Um, and so that means that our employees also need to reflect all of the wonderful users that we hope to have in the world. Um, and so that's, of course, that's people across genders, that's people across ethnicities, that's people across orientation. Um, but it, 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 I'm, I'm going to ask you a difficult question now. Yeah. If, if if some kid, some twelve-year-old kid, comes up to you and said, "Miss, Miss, Madam, Maya, or whatever," can you explain what diversity and inclusion means? I need to do it for my homework, and I need to do it in like 
20 words or less how would you how would you talk about it yeah, i i would i would say it diversity is if you and all of your friends feel like you belong let's say in the school that they're in right um and i think that it sounds simplistic but there's a lot that goes into that from are we bringing all the right people to the table whether it's a school or a company and then once we bring people in the door are we actually helping them feel that comfort of belonging and how do you do that the how behind it is is uh, is where a lot of our efforts have been right from from thinking about different cuts of how you call yourself different intersectionalities of how you call yourself a community mm-hmm. so do me uh, me maya do i look at myself as indian ethnicity singapore resident uh, woman mother but i may look at myself as urban farmer and i may look at myself as fashion lover so how do we build those bridges across all of those intersectionalities and feel like if, if you know i i belong on any and, or and more some, of those some levels. of those bridges may be a bit wobbly you know even if you do build a bridge <laughs> sometimes right but yeah. if you don't try you don't know if it's wobbly and then if you find out it's wobbly then you sort of um you know what to inspect so you, you so know what to change so you're an urban farmer i am an urban farmer yes what um, do you grow i have you got green fingers i i've you know i'm i'm not a big believer in green fingers i think it is <laughs> a combination of sunlight water and good soil so i think it's two of those three things we need as well right sunlight <laughs> water i'm not sure about good soil but yeah. a good drink maybe yeah, yeah a good drink yeah. yeah um but but uh, yeah i grow tons of vegetables um my my long term hope is to make my family sustainable growing our own food mm. we're a family of four vegetarians that's a whole lot of vegetables i need to grow in singapore in singapore you want to be self sustaining <laughs> in singapore for four people well we're we're, we're about we're about six herbs down and four vegetables down on being sustainable so you, you i may, have hope you may have to go on a super diet if you <laughs> hope to have enough food to feed the entire family so that brings me to the environment i mean yeah. how do you guys use twitter for for you know everybody's focus has been they've realized they've really mucked up things with the environment how yeah. how are you guys going to use your company for good to make changes for the environment yeah um, you know we've seen the last two or three years we've seen the conversation around the environment through tweets really skyrocket from um Greta Thunberg's movements to uh to really local movements in every country uh and we also see that the consumer tweets about the environment in some ways have overtaken the corporate tweets right so it's beyond CSR and it's beyond corporations talking about yes this is a good thing to do um and so the platform itself is is a big catalyst to bring together that type of activism around the environment which is very important um twitter as a company itself we've actually focused our efforts really around the spaces that we own uh for instance as a start so all our offices uh, our our efforts have been to make sure they're green buildings they're using renewable energy uh plastic consumption in the offices are being um stamped out events where we actually vote with our dollars uh and that we put together are all built as sustainable events so things that are in our control there and, and then you, and you don't fly we do fly <laughs> this year has taught us quite a interesting thing right it yes. is a, the you know would you if you had asked me did i think i could substitute as much travel as i think now that i can substitute i probably would have said no i i i definitely was on a mission to fly less but i didn't think i could fly even less than that and i'm happy to be challenged on that one well they said like the planet said when people said they 
they can't not fly. And then yeah. the planet said, here's a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> See how you manage. Yeah, you know, and it's been, it's silver lining. I, I look at it as a silver lining, right? When when you've had a prolonged period of a tough time with the pandemic, but the environment has done so well in that in that instance. The ozone's doing better than it was. The uh, carbon footprints are just forcibly lower in a lot of ways. It, it's just got people thinking, and it's been long enough that people are like, okay, I can actually operate in this fashion, and 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 it's possible. Um, but I'm also very encouraged. Yeah, you know, I have to say, technology companies have it somewhat easier versus uh, brick and mortar companies. Uh, you know, consumer goods companies, because the the amount of disruption and change they have to bring goes beyond some of the things that we're doing. But they also have to think about their supply chains, about the packaging of products. So, sure. so uh, I do think it has to be a collective effort, you know, between government and enterprises and consumers to be able to bring that change. And yeah. Twitter's certainly, we're, we're aligned to doing our part. Your company is trying to have more female representation at the highest levels, right? I mean, is that uh, the norm in tech companies or is it something that you guys want to try and change? It's been something that we have been focused on for, I want to say, at least three years, uh, if not more. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, case in point, me as a leader in APAC, I'm not the first female leader we've had in APAC, mm-hmm. right? My predecessor was a woman uh, who, ran, who ran this business. So there's a lot to say about the history of having deep, um, women leadership talent uh, in in the business. If I look at my own uh, country leaders who who manage and run uh, the different countries in APAC, we have a very even mix, 50-50 between men and women. Mm-hmm. And I feel very privileged to be able to say that. Uh, and and it's, it's a tremendous credit to Twitter for having systemically focused on this from everything from equal and extended parental leave uh, to being able to have things like, uh, you know, hiring practices that are consciously focused on getting enough women in the pipeline, um, as well as as well as just making sure that when we're talking about promotion, when we're talking about consideration in other conversations, giving projects to to women, we've it, it's it, you know we're on a journey for for that to be ingrained in us. Um, oh, I think it was one of your tech colleagues in another company, Facebook, that said that men have been running the world for many years now and look where that's gotten us. <laughs> so perhaps we're due for a change. Yeah, we're due for a change. Yeah. And all, all I'd say is, you know, it's good to have even balance, right? Yeah. It's good to have um, good ideas, good thinking, diversity. Uh, in, in And men have wonderful ideas too. Um, but they're made even better when we work together as men and women. Okay, on that note, thank you very much, Maya. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you, Asha. Likewise.